Twitter streets have been set ablaze, apparently. Uh, the streets I, are streeting. Even for like group chats, which the group chats have been nuts. I haven't been a part of anything, so you're the actual first person I'm going to have an actual conversation with actually what's been going on because I have to work all day. <laughs> I I was in a, a Twitter room or whatever they're called, and uh, I I don't know. It's it, It's been rough. <laughs> it's been rough for a lot of people. <laughs> so, well, you were in the trenches, so I was not in the trenches. You were in the trenches. I mean, I can guess what people are upset about, but officially, what it, what was your pulse on the on the people of Twitterville? Oh, like people really do be hating women and telling on themselves. <laughs> you don't say. You do not uh, say. Multiple people were like, "Yeah, I mean, maybe if there had been any like merit to Barbie or whatever," and I was like, "Oh no." Like, maybe then Greta would be, like, nominated for Best Director. Now, as of right now, the people who vote for Best Director are only other people who have been nominated for Best Director. Oh, no. Which means nine women, and two of them are Jane Campion, and two of them are Sofia Coppola. So, seven women. It's not what you want. It's not what you want. It's not ideal. Yeah. Uh, and then a lot of people were like, well, then we should just have like a separate special women's director category. And everyone's like, you do see how that's worse, right? <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> Jeez. The section for female troubles. Uh. <laughs> so I'm not going to lie, man. Like, I was definitely big into the Twitter spaces at one point. I made a lot of good friends off there who I'm still friends with. And if any of my friends are listening to this, just know. I'm sure they are. You're, you're in my heart. But just know, <laughs> I, I I may be good on that for this year. It's just it's just too many wild cards in the Twitter spaces, man. It needs a little bit more control because that's kind of wild people would actually say that. Some of the people were, were like on it, right? They were like, hey, no but we need to diversify the director's pool, right? Like maybe it's not just people who are nominated for Oscars. Maybe we include other people. Maybe we include people who were nominated for best short film or whatever, like the directors of those, whatever, right? Like I I get it. Yeah. Some people were trying to come up with solutions. Some people were not trying to come up with solutions. Then it got into like, well, Barbie didn't really work for me anyway. And it was like, okay, (laughs) well... Yeah. I think of a lot of Oscar movies that didn't really work for me. And I actually, am, I, I do a podcast about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, man, it's, it's wild as shit. So we, we, we have to talk about, <laughs> well, I guess it's comfortable to say the consensus is the two biggest subs here are Greta Gerwig not getting best director nomination and Margot Robbie not getting Best Lead Actress nomination. I think that Celine's song not getting Best Director is also let astonishing. Let us talk about this. Okay, so we'll just talk about the like the mainline categories. I think the only nominations that were like ten for ten note notes, I think, are adapted screenplay for the most part. I think Barbie being adapted is whatever, but. 
it's it's in there. So it was technically like, correct. Yeah. And I think actor and supporting role. I think those are the only categories where I don't have at least one kind of like yeah. And I think best director, like, I'm not gonna lie. I thought Anatomy of a Fall was a decent to good movie, but I can't believe she got I, I can't help but wonder if she kind of got like you know how in ranked choice voting sometimes everyone's like mutual least favorite is the one that sneaks in because she got the le- least down votes. Yeah. I am wondering if that's what happened here. Probably because I mean, again, Anatomy of Fall is a good movie, but there there were other there at at a minimum of two other directors who were more deserving of the nom and i think zone of interest like so few people have seen it and it's not even out until i think it came out this past weekend so like i can't really gauge if it's truly worthy or not but i just think past lives and barbie meant so much to a swath of people that it's kind of incredible that it just didn't happen for them and I, I think that's I think it's kind of a shame. So I agree. And I think that it speaks to a bigger problem with the whole organization at this point that like women keep being like accidentally left out. Yeah. But also like remember the uh the piece of hot gossip that they reshot the Star Wars at like nine Star Wars endings and then they had everybody vote on it and it worked out that everyone's like middle favorite got in. Yeah. And, and that's the, the movie we got was like this, this very C plus now nah, C minus ending because that's like the one that offended the least people. Like people didn't <laughs> love it, but people didn't hate it. Yeah. That's kind of what feels like the anatomy of a fall nom here. Yeah. And and, yeah. It, and it also feels very like we we nominated a woman, okay? Which I don't love. Yeah. And Barbie and Passlabs got nominated for this picture, but I don't know, man, like It was get, really nice to see American Fiction get so much positive attention. Yeah, I'm very happy for Sterling K Brown and Jeffrey Wright's nominations. I think both of those are definitely well deserved and the funny thing is i think the talk of like critics was that jeffrey wright was gonna get the nom i saw the movie really liked it and sterling k brown he's like on a tear in that movie in a, in a really fun way that he typically doesn't really get to do in movies like he's a he's like a very like dramatic a great dramatic actor but that movie he's so funny in that fucking movie and yeah it, and so but He's also just got like pain. Like you yeah, know, yeah. It, he's he's funny because bad stuff has happened. Yeah. And it's so raw, but it's also so fucking funny. Yeah. And I think that's a really hard hard balance. If the writing was 2% less good, if the directing was 2% less good, the role would be really like almost offensive to watch. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. You know, like he's he's so close to so many danger zones. <laughs> yeah. But he brings this like depth that you're like, oh, okay. But like also at one point he's like, I've only been gay for like fucking six months. Like <laughs> yeah. and I'm like 
I always think about stuff like that, though, right? When, like, people realize who they are, whether that's just coming out about who they are or making other people kind of understand, they have this, like, second infancy in a way where they have to, like, do all the stuff again. And so having all of that happening in the middle of all this other stuff, this, this immense growth and this period of immense loss is a really great back and forth. Oh, yeah. Also, 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 tell me, I don't think you can, tell me fucking Coyote or whatever his name is, Wiley, Wiley, his name is Wiley, Uh, tell me that's not an Eli Roth pastiche. (laughs) I mean... Eli Roth, come on the show! Hilarious. So, we we tiptoed over it a little bit, but I have to ask the question... Did Barbie fulfill its own prophecy with Margot Robbie not getting nominated and, and Ryan Gosling getting the nomination? I will say she is nominated as a producer because it's the best picture. Yeah. I would argue that that is in some ways the bigger get for her as like a professional woman. And yep. I think could could do a lot of you, you could do a lot of uh, Barbieing about that. Absolutely. That said. I don't understand why the Academy doesn't like her. <sighs> and Ooh, yeah. The the performance that she gives in this movie, even if you don't like it, is so strong. And we were talking about this a little bit in the lie or the, the whatever, the room, where I said mild spoilers for American fiction, but um where they have that sequence where they're like, we can all agree to read the first 100 pages and make our decisions based off of that, right? Yeah. And it does kind of feel like her not being nominated as a bunch of people who only watched the first 25 minutes of Barbie or whatever Mm. before the, like, substance started. I was just like, oh, she's like a Barbie! Ha! Um, (laughs) Yeah. But, like, clearly they saw the depth of Ken's performance if they're nominating Ryan Gosling, which I do think is a really well-deserved nomination, and I'm really excited for him. But, like... Yeah, they got it right. Yeah. I have some questions about how they saw his (laughs) growth and depth and development and not hers. Hers, yeah. And (laughs) I am not at all trying to shit on anyone else in the category. I think everybody gave a great performance. I think that it is a good positive year when we're like damn there are so many talented actresses that deserve to be nominated this year but <laughs> like barbie told us this would happen we were but we also were, we also, were mesmerized I'm, by I'm, the pink where's uh, fucking penelope cruz for ferrari which apparently she gives like a dynamite performance in what the fuck is naiad i hadn't even heard of that before this i'm sure it's good <laughs> Yeah. Okay, cool. Emily Blunt, shocker. Carrie Mulligan, I feel like at this point she could sneeze and they would nominate her for an Oscar. I don't mean that rudely. I think she's very talented, but I had to stop. I couldn't finish Maestro. I hated it so much. Um, <laughs> so, like, every time and I that see got it, best picture. <laughs> it, it, it got best everything! Bradley Cooper was on the trail. It got Best makeup and hairstyling for that fucking prosthetic schnoz. (laughs) Who's been a better campaigner, Bradley Cooper or Joe Biden? (laughs) 
So here's what I truly, like, top to bottomly believe. He was a little bit hurt that he didn't get best director for... Stars Born? Uh, yeah. And so he was like, I will never not get best director again. And then he did. <laughs> oh, man. Now, I'll be honest. I still haven't seen Poor Things. I was going to go see it this weekend, but then I saw American Fiction instead. Oppenheimer is a, a cinematic achievement. I acknowledge that that he deserves to be on this list. Have you watched it? No. <laughs> Just not, never watch it, actually. I, I, before we joked about it, but I actually don't want you to watch it either. <laughs> I, I think at some point I'll like probably get just like bullets and be like, Hilarious. Ah! <laughs> Hilarious. They blew up the desert for this movie. Like, I'll be honest, no matter how good the movie is, and I'm aware that it's like a monument to whatever, and Matthew, please don't kill me, because I know sometimes you listen to the podcast, and this is like the, the most important movie that's ever happened. Whatever. The outsized environmental impact of this film makes me question if any art is actually worth it. <laughs> they destroyed the ecological system for this movie. <laughs> They destroyed a couple, and they also released multiple tons of carbon emission into the air. So mad. Anyway, that's beside the point. To me, Killers of the Flower Moon, which I also have not seen, I watched like the first half hour of it, and then I fell asleep. Hilarious. Not anybody's fault. I was very tired. It seems like a placeholder. It seems like a bunch of- A bunch of men being like, oh, it's Marty! It's Marty's new movie! We love Marty. And like- Basically. That's what this it is. is. But also, the, the nomination list this year is also the reason that other women don't get on the nomination list. There it is. And so we talked about Oppenheimer a bit, but I think the weakest category is the supporting actress category because it's yeah! Emily Blunt. It better be Divine Joy Randolph because she gives an amazing performance. And if they give it to Emily Blunt, who I think is a fine actress for that limp noodle of a performance, from what I have heard. So her performance in it, it's like okay, it's like a it's like a B performance. But the problem with Nolan movies is he doesn't know how to write women, and so your women have to overperform beyond the limits of the actual character. And so she does that, and that's why she got to nom, but I would not have given her a nomination for that. Devon Jordan Randolph is going to moonwalk to the Oscar. That's that's my one. I, I know for certain that she's going to win that. But it's it's wild that <laughs> America Ferreira, God bless, but she got nominated and Margot didn't. That's just I mean, insane. she got nominated for that one speech. It was it. That, that was it. And, like, and it's such it. a good speech. And it's so well delivered. And that is like a third of a scene of what Margot is doing the whole goddamn movie. That's crazy. That is so insane that happened, man. But God bless, man. God bless. Uh, Color Purple, like, it was okay. Like, people love Danielle Brooks in the movie, and I love her in general. As Sophia, she's actually, she's pretty good as Sophia, but I just think this category, I don't know, like, other than Divine, like, Divine is the only person who I think is a slam dunk, like, yes. Like, I haven't seen Nyad, so I can't talk about the god Jodie Foster, but these other ones, man, like, I don't know. Also, like, 
this is not because I hate Oppenheimer because I don't, and I actually really like Killian Murphy. But like, how good would it be if Giamatti finally like won? Like, good, right? It, it would be fan fucking tastic, cat. I would blow a gasket. I would be so happy if Giamatti won. I would be so fucking happy if he actually won. It seems like he's been kind of on a tear. Yeah. At the, I think it was a critic's choice where he won over Killian. Yeah, and the BAFTAs also, I think. Yeah. He's won a couple at this point. At the Golden Globes, because there they were separate categories of comedy and drama, they both won separately. But yeah. it's going to be, it's down to those two. And, and you know, the funny thing is, so, like, leaving Oppenheimer, I was for certain it was going to be Killian Murphy's, but I think Giamatti this last like two months or whatever, like I think the momentum for him has been really positive. So I think it's, I think it may be a coin flip. I also think that he might get it as the, I'm sorry, we didn't give it to you before now. That could be true. I can see them. Cause like, that's what they did to, to Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> and and she gave a great performance and I'm glad she has an Oscar. I like the pictures where she took it to get coffee the next day. Hilarious. Like you kn- you know I love the queen. But that <laughs> yeah. was a complicated That was real complicated. <laughs> it was it was real complicated. I, I listened to their episode a couple of weeks ago that we recorded on it and we have totally forgotten the amazing speech she gave for it and it just seems like all JLC's goodwill is just like evaporated. And I, and I, know, I love I love the speech that she yeah. gave. Yeah, like, it was great. Uh, to me, I think that there is something so beautiful when she talks to her parents. Oh yeah, that was it. Yeah, of course. And like you just feel the the room. Like I hate watching the Oscars on television. I think I'd probably enjoy it more if I was in the room with a glass of champagne. But, like, <laughs> it, it feels so stuffy and outdated every time I see it. Now, every time I watch it, I just go, oh, COVID, COVID, COVID. It's not for me because I'm not invited, and I know that. <laughs> but there's, like, you could he- hear everyone, like, <gasps> at once when she started talking to her parents because everyone was, like, touched. Yeah. And it was such a, like, moment of humanity and unfortunately, it was just, like, completely overshadowed by the fact that, like, it was, you know, it was, um, yeah, it a lot of L's, a lot of L's, man. But also, I'm sorry, like, where the fuck was the A24 Iron Claw push? So, what? A24, A24 is fucking up. They won one Oscar, and then they were like, okay, hey, we're good. Like, what the fuck happened? If we slotted Zac Efron for Bradley Cooper, who in America is sad about that. Like, everyone would be A-okay with that. Like, Iron Claw was great. Yeah. It's only playing right now at, like, 10 p.m. on weekdays, which is not a great time for me to go see it, but... Oh, you still never saw it? Oh. No. That will hit you in the you, ovaries. You... Everything else in the adapted screenplay and original screenplay was good, except Maestro, from what I heard. I'm, I'm not watching Maestro. I don't care. Um, but I think everything else... Is good for the nominations, really. Celine Song, she did get nominated for Best Original Screenplay, which I'm very pleased with. If that gets finesse to win Original Screenplay, I will be very touched by that. I don't think it's going to win, unfortunately. No. But 
Nope. But we'll we'll give some official predictions the week before the I guess the Friday before actually the Oscars, and then we will see how wrong I am again. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll make the fun graphics again. There it is. There it is. Do you have any other observations? Uh, just just be extra kind to the Zac Efron stands in your life right now. Uh, <laughs> as far as I can tell, they're really struggling. Uh, also, uh, okay, one one more thing I'm just going to throw in there on my little soapbox real quick. Asteroid City and none of the technicals was Ooh. shocking to me. I understand if maybe it's not getting best director or best picture or whatever, but no best technicals was. Yeah. The Academy just doesn't fuck with Wes. They kind of did with Grand Budapest. They gave him a cinematography nom. Mm, Yeah. I think the collective conscience, for whatever reason, it moved on from asteroid city and that was my top five of the year i i love that movie like that was like that was the movie to help me see west for the first time and yeah well i i like grand budapest i really did asteroid city is that like it is the genie for him i mean he got nom for like the best short film which i think he'll probably end up winning but i don't know like I wish I'd I mean, a lot more. If, if I were, if I were Wes Anderson, like, do you even go for that? Like, obviously, you have to be proud of the film you made and support yeah. your directors and your, you know, your your actors and make Netflix look good and whatever. I get that, but like, and I think the shorts are good. I finally got access to my Netflix account again, and I did oh, watch all of them. <laughs> the shorts are good, but like, I like the shorts. The shorts are so good. I have been thinking about Poison for like weeks how does asteroid city not get a production design nomination even if it doesn't win like i it's got four distinct visual styles oh the swan is my favorite one the swan is my favorite one Uh, yeah like they they boofed it they just fumbled it man sometimes what it is cat sometimes they just fuck it up and they fucked it up yeah this year just feels wrong to me like it, it feels it feels very twilight zone almost right i think this year feels like what i thought was going to happen last year and they just got they just got stuff wrong like it's like there's some things i'm very happy for and very proud of but there's other than they just like butterfingers like totally also missed the point past life was good i like past lives Past Lives was my number one of last year. I really adored Past Lives. Really liking it a lot. Now, happy for Past Lives. Happy for American Fiction. Happy for the pieces for Barbie that got minus American Ferrera. But for the most part, I think everything was. was you know what? No, I'm I'm happy about it for her because I hope this means that she gets more work. Well, yeah, that piece, yeah. And if if this is hey, it's one of the few not white people that got nominated. <laughs> let it ride Hilarious. just let it ride we're just letting it ride Hilarious. i think the last piece of dismount on is lee gladstone and i know you said you only made it half hour through killers of the flower moon so you legit probably saw like a scene and a half with her and i think she has a lot of great momentum behind her and she has a great story and a great she just feels like 
of all the winners that we've had this award season, she just feels like the best person for some reason. And so I think it's carrying a lot of weight. I just think lead actress, I, I don't know, it's lead actress and supporting actress, like it's truly semantics or whatever. And over at Emma Stone, I think this is going to happen. But I will personally take Emma Stone's performance. I really like Poor Things a lot. And I'm excited to see it. And I have the book on reserve from the library. So hopefully I'll get it soon. What up, you mutant miscreants? It is I, Oroko Saki, aka The Shredder, here to tell you about the Shredhead podcast, starring me, The Shredder, and my best friend, my main brain, the brains of the outfit I'm talking about, Krang. Krang is there. He's my producer. We have a podcast. It's utterly ridiculous. It's an insane premise. Uh, to top it all off, I, I haven't even seen the Ninja Turtles in years, but we're primarily talking about hoops. Yes, the national, the national BA, the W national BA. Um, uh, oh damn it! I've run into the lyrics. I'm sorry, but just check out the Shredhead podcast. It's me. It's crying. It's crazy. This is Erica Benton, a lovable wife, a wonderful mother. She's uninhibited, unpredictable, not getting enough, unshakable, you ought to have your eyes examined, and unprepared. What? Tell me. I'm in love with somebody else. At first, you know, I thought it was just a, a thing, but it isn't. I'm in love with her. 20th Century Fox presents Paul Mazursky's An Unmarried Woman. What are you doing out by yourself? Getting divorced. What happened? He was buying a shirt in Bloomingdale's and he fell in love. I'm sad, I'm lonely. It's certainly okay to feel lonely. It's really okay to feel anything. Anger. You really hate me, don't you? Yeah. Depression. It's over, kiddo. Good. Are you are you seeing other men yet? No. <laughs> oh God, dating. Silly word. I'd risk it. I'd risk it with some new men. Shout out to the Medford Public Library System, the Minuteman Library System, for making this week's uh, podcast episode possible. Because an unmarried woman isn't streaming anywhere. <laughs> so these are actually two movies that I have to set up. Because I'm very certain a you lot of our really audience... You just really picked sad art women movies this week, huh? Hey, there it is. There it is. I mean, they have happy-ish endings. They have, they have happy moments. But, I, like, I would not describe either of them as, like, overtly happy. Um, I think Unmarried Woman may be. But let's save that for a bit, so... I have to introduce why I picked these two movies, two vastly underseen movies. <laughs> uh, so for the theme of the season, obviously we're going through Academy Award winners and nominees. And Unmarried Woman was nominated for the 51st Academy Awards in 1979. It was nominated for Best Picture. It was nominated for Best Lead Actress for Jill Clayburgh. And it was nominated for 
best original screenplay from Paul Mazurki, who wrote and directed the movie. Girlfriends, which they both released in 1978, Girlfriends was not nominated for anything. However, like culturally, I think its legacy is bigger than it not getting like nominations for like the Academy. And so I do have to get, so I have to set these up because no one has watched these movies. Uh, so, um, I, fuck it, I'll set it up and post. Anyway, so. From the synopsis on Criterion.com. One woman's journey of self-discovery brings about a warmly human cultural conversation about female liberation in this wonderfully frank, funny chronicle of changing 1970s sexual politics by Paul Mazursky. When her husband of 16 years abruptly leaves her for a younger woman, Manhattan gallery worker Erica finds herself alone and adrift, but also newly empowered to explore her needs and desires as she tests the waters of a new relationship with a charismatic artist. Candidly addressing issues of sex, intimacy, loneliness, and divorce from an unabashedly feminist perspective, an unmarried woman makes the simple but radical assertion that a woman's most important relationship is the one she has with herself. I feel like this was on Max. Oh no, I think it was on HBO Max for a very brief point. The first time I had to watch it, I had to bootleg it. And so it is being sold by Criterion. It is a part of the Criterion collection. Well, okay, but I had a rough couple of weeks and didn't <laughs> buy the DVD eight weeks ago when I was fucking supposed to, I guess. There it is. And shout out to the 50% off sales that happen every, what, four months for Criterion. Uh, Roughly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Other than sad art girls what are your thoughts on an unmarried um, woman i really liked this movie and i was really not expecting to oh why not it just sounded sad <laughs> the criterion blurb sounded sad and then everything i read about it sounded really really sad and then i saw it was classified as a romantic comedy on google and i was like ah yeah. uh, um there's comedy uh there is romance yeah and also unromance yeah a 1978 romantic comedy two hours and ten minutes and i was like this this might take me out this might take me out in the streets hilarious um also i'll be honest it's like Unmarried Woman is a 1978 romantic comedy dramedy film written and directed by Paul Mazursky about, like, a woman after a divorce. And I was like, oh, no. Well, it is an unmarried woman. I feel like this could go south really quick. Hilarious. But I wouldn't have I wouldn't have picked South movies. This isn't Cocaine 80 month, Cat. Come on now. I know, but, like, I think that sometimes... Once in a while, I am a little more sensitive to um, women's issues. <laughs> Hilarious. You don't say? And I was like, is this going to be a situation where I'm going to have to, like, break it to someone that, like, their fave <laughs> is bad, actually? But is that um, the case? No, it was really good. I gave it four and a half stars. Nice. I threw this on. And I was like, all right. And then I was like, oh, God, she's having sex with Charlie. And he's, like, doing a good job of seducing her. But he's really annoying. And I hope he doesn't come up that much more. And uh, 
hilarious. He didn't. Everyone in this movie sucked, but also was so fucking charming. The score, <laughs> I will just say, I don't know if this is just my copy, but the the audio mixing on it was so bad. And it did not oh. have subtitles. So oh, no. a large amount of the time, the like very like soundtrack was like drowning out the end of sentences. I'm guessing it was that criterion. It's just a random DVD. It, it sure as shit was the criterion, Mark. My oh. library has a criterion section. My library lit. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it was very complicated for me because as it is, I usually like to have subtitles on and this didn't even have subtitles. And I was just like, guess I'll die. But uh, that's fine. I got the most of it. This was the DVD, by the way, not the Blu-ray. Not the Blu-ray. Um, okay. So I really liked all the characters. I really liked the whole kind of journey. And I think it's so much because the main woman is so fucking charming. Erica, yeah. Yeah. Everyone in the movie turns to look at her like sunflowers following the sun. (laughs) And you totally understand why. Yeah. You're like, oh, yes, of course. That thing everyone would do if this woman walked into the room. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i had a thought that this was like sex in the city if carrie bradshaw were a good human being <laughs> oh god right. you're right but i don't i <laughs> yeah i like the fact that there is a balance between erica and then her husband and then that you know obviously falls apart because it's called an unmarried woman but then yeah, also he's the worst yeah, he's, he's so bad He's very bad. And I like how we don't spend like every minute with him, but we actually do see her in the world with her girlfriends. And then the intimate conversations that they have, I think, are really, really interesting, particularly for I the will time. just say, if I ever ran into my therapist in like a social setting <laughs> that was also my job, that is also like where I go to cruise for men, I would die. Like, I would... <laughs> I would simply pass away. I would just be like, there there wouldn't be a fight like between yeah. the two men I slept with because they would be too busy like pulling my remains from the window I jumped from. Like <laughs> that woman knows too much about me to be in the public where I am. So in a mix between hot and embarrassing, what would it be like for two men to scrap it out for you like that? Kinda hot. <laughs> hilarious i do think it's really interesting that charlie feels he has some sort of ownership over her after like uh yeah like i don't do that shit so if it was that exact situation where like the guy that's like i don't feel any ownership of you and the guy that's like i just want to look at you forever like i (laughs) that's not hot yeah I appreciate the the gallant man standing up for my honor. Cool. But also, like, he doesn't have other, like, pieces in different, like, he never slept with somebody right after his divorce. Like, like, fuck off. Yeah. You know, like, if if it's a, this is me proving how much I, like, want to protect you, then, like, no. But, like, (laughs) if it is, like, I could tell it was upsetting you and I knew this was the only way to get it to stop. I'd be like, I don't agree with that, but like, okay, like we could have just left, but I appreciate you like taking some initiative. 
But yeah, I don't know. It's complicated. What did you think about the Saul character, the abstract painter? I really, really liked him almost immediately. And that made me go, (laughs) shit, when is he going to start doing something bad? (laughs) Like, I had the same Uh, reaction to the white guy in fucking past lives. And I was like, when is he going to, like, just hit her? Like, I was so... I'm serious. I was like, when is he going to snap at her and just fucking do something unforgivable? I felt that way about every single one of these fucking men, by the way. Shit. I mean, I don't blame you, but shit. Especially because, like, Saul at one point was like, I approve of that or whatever. And she's like, I don't need you to. And he was like, I know. I'm just letting you know. I think it's a good idea. And (laughs) she's like, I hate that word. And he's like, yeah, I I have realized this. Uh, And like. And then I'm like, and then he's going to yell at her in public. And like, he didn't do it. And I was like, why are you making it seem like he's going to do that? (laughs) Why? Like, I mean, actually, to be fair, Erica's on guard, too. Like, she's I don't blame her at all. But like the friend that's like, honey, a guy like him comes along only once in a while. And I was like, you know, she's kind of right. He is kind of (laughs) kind of the best. And, like, sure, he dresses like Paddington, but, like, whatever. Hold on, you, you like that. What are you talking about? I, I, in a bear, not in an adult man. I mean, he's hairy enough to be a bear, so, yeah, it balances out. In certain circles, he is definitely considered as such. Uh, oh, shit. <laughs> uh, also, this is just, like, a weird thing, but I really liked his art. Oh, um, oh yeah, yeah. Once I saw his art... I was actually able to relax a little bit. I know this is going to sound insane, but like seeing men so comfortable with bright colors and like recreations of like joy and that are also like maybe about despair, but also like that's the brightest fucking yellow I've ever seen. Like (laughs) I was like, Oh, okay. Like he's not like this weird austere, like art nutter. Yeah. Like he is actually like, no, like someday I want to like just watch TV with you. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. And then like he he threw the jar at the end. And yeah. I was like, oh, it's going to become a fight. And then I was like, oh no, like he's just kind of using that to punctuate a point. You can see him as soon as she hands it to him, calculating if he threw it, if the glass would hit her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can you can see him weighing it in his hand and looking at the wall and looking at his hand and figuring out how hard to throw it to make a point but not to hurt her. Which I think is still kind of shitty, but like I was expecting him to like bludgeon her to death with it or something. Like I was expecting this to like get real dark real fast. <laughs> I could tell shit. I could I could tell. I I truly don't know why, by the way. I mean, well, so in the movie there is like the the taxi incident that happens where the guy tries to make some move and then the cabbie just like looks and laughs or whatever so you know she she wasn't like going out with like heartthrobs who she would just like not choose and like she had dickheads in her life yeah and even her doctor oh my god i forgot that scene happened the the moment where she (laughs) says like no this is a pass and like I can't believe you or something like that. I was like, oh, that's felt. That's felt. It's felt so. It's so fucking felt. He tried to lie. Like, he was like, oh, no, we're just going to dinner. Like, nah, that was gross. That was so gross. Oh, man. Like, it'd be, it'd be one thing if he was like, 
it, I don't even want to be like, if he's like, oh, it's like good as, as your doctor, I think it's good for you to like get out. Right. But if he's like, my wife and I would be happy to help get you out of the house. Right. Like yeah. if he had like a reason, right. That's like, we've always hit it off. Like we might as well, like, since you're, you're struggling, let me help you with this. Right. Yeah. Like fine. But he didn't even have something like that in the chamber to like lie with. For sure. Instead, he was just like, uh, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. And and going back to Saul really quickly, I really did like Saul as well. And I do think that for the movie, he does even like set up like when they're having that conversation, like one of the first conversations when he's honest, where he says like art is his thing like that is his number one and it'd be one thing if he lied about it but you know he was honest about it at least and you know he had to do what he had to do and she did as well i very rarely like to like think about like did they make it like or whatever yeah i kind of feel like they did like i i usually don't speculate about shit like that okay like i think it takes time and i think maybe some of that time is time apart but I think that they, I don't think they get married, but I think they cohabitate. So you think he comes back to New York and then they're a couple again? I think that maybe she goes out to Vermont for holidays like she says she's gonna. Ooh. You know, the funny thing is, I think the movie is great that they have like that cliffhanger and mm-hmm. you can feel, you can feel either way. Like you can feel that like that's the last time they'll see each other or that's the last time they'll see each other that month. And so. Yeah. The fact that she moves the painting, like, she could just wait for him to pull away and lean it there. Yeah. You don't just do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's a good painting, too. That was a great painting, too. And I and I, I don't know if you noticed, but he he clearly slid something down the back of the canvas. Oh, but he was taking it off the thing? Yeah. So I don't know if there's a note back there. I don't know if, you know, he did kind of the opposite of what she did and wrote a note on the back of the painting instead of on the back of the palette. I have no idea. You know, and maybe it's not romantic. Maybe they're just people who kind of find each other and and like each other and and stay with each other. But like it to me, it is so clear, but in a nice way that they have a future. I don't know. No, I think it's good. And I do like the fact that you talked a little bit about the, like the therapist running into at the party. I do like that there is the moment of post-divorce where we do see those that very intimate conversation between the two women at that point. And I talked a little bit about the friendship group, but I do like the fact that this is a movie where our lead woman, she is given a lot of space. Like she's given a lot of space to feel her feelings, to work out. To even explore, like, even though Charlie, you know, Charlie's a supreme dickhead, she's at least trying her hand to see what works and what doesn't. And he also seems to be a pretty good lay. He's, uh, he's I mean, kind of I'll, a dick, but she's like, I got a splinter. And he gets, like, real erotic with that real quick. Did, well, man. like, I am not, like, a foot person. I am yes. not, like, a, a fucking, <laughs> no thank you. Uh, my feet are sitting over here where they belong. There's a reason I blur all the pictures of my feet on the internet. There it is. There it is. You can see my, my feet, but in shoes with black (laughs) bars over them for their own protection. But, but, uh, he just immediately is like, oh, 
okay, this is a complication, but I can work with this. And like, that is usually the best kind of person to, to hook up with. I mean, he was, he laughed them panties right off. So he must got it. Yeah. But he also like, he didn't not take it seriously. Cause there's nothing worse than that. (laughs) Hilarious. Uh, but yeah, man, like the, it was, it was a good time for the moment. And then she jetted and that was that. In my mind, it was always insane of him to ask that because she's got a 14 or 15 year old daughter who does not want to go to Vermont for five months. Even if it did work with the school schedule, it's not. And, you know, she's still mad at the dad like she can't leave for that long. So, you know, to me, it was so obvious that he was making like a wish list request. Effectively. And she she just doesn't understand that, like, you can want things, but also have a realistic expectation for what you're actually going to get. I think that's the thing that she needed to, like, learn for that relationship to really, like, go. And I think Mazurki did a, he did a real, a really good job with this. And during the research I saw where to craft, like, her story and, like, the friend's story, he, like, did a poll of, like, a bunch of women and their experiences. And that kind of checks out. It does. Uh, it, have you ever heard of the, like... Oh, yeah, we knew how to make Mulan because we took a two-week trip to China. Uh, <laughs> thing that, like, Disney and other studios do. Yeah. This movie, there were a couple of moments where it was like, you spent two weeks with, like, all of your friends' wives. Yeah. And, like, like I'm not, I'm not trying to say that men can't make great female characters. Because, like, when Harry Met Sally, even though Nora Ephron was really, really involved in that, like, it is not her movie alone. It, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just really sensitive to it because of today's discourse. But I'm like, ah. Uh. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, we, we lived through the era of Nolan. Get me a chick, man. We, we lived through the era of Nolan. And, you know, it's stuff out here. Stuff out here. I've Pat. I've seen what comes next for women, and great news, it does not get better than an unmarried woman. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh man. So I did talk a little bit about its nominations for the Academy, but Jill Claiborne, she did win uh Best Actress at Cannes. Paul Mazurki got nominated for the Palma Door cans and it won a couple of awards, got a couple of nominations also, but this is a really good movie. And I know we're really big proponents on physical media and it is sad that you cannot just stream this movie. I don't even think Criterion is even streaming it for whatever reason. It's not. I have the Criterion channel. So you have to actually buy the physical copy of this. And I do have the physical copy of this and Girlfriends. And so I kind of looked out with that. Coming down the aisle. Representing the Hyphen Podcast Group. They are the unbeatable team. Of B-hyphen. I'm just saying, you worked yourself into a shoe to answer the question. Handsome Bane. My, my firm belief is a DDT should beat anybody. Showing mad love. 
Look at me this Batman. If two go in the pink. The novelist. Diggity dope. And catch it. This is what Brock Lesnar thinks he looks like if Brock Lesnar were a beautiful woman. They are the Wrestlecast Power And here's an altogether different movie that's also kind of about life in the Big Apple. And it also has charm and humor and a lot of vitality. It's called Girlfriends. And it's about two young women who are roommates in New York City. Now, one of them is a poet. She's really more interested in marriage than in a career, but the other one is a photographer and weddings and bar mitzvahs and birthdays so far, but she'd love to sell her pictures to a magazine or an art gallery. The whole movie is sort of a balancing act, especially for Melanie Mayron, who is the girl who plays the photographer. She loses her roommate, she plunges into her career, and then, what do you know, she even finds a boyfriend. You know, Gene, I've seen that film three times, and every time he gives the telephone number, it always gets a laugh. <laughs> Girlfriends was made on a shoestring. It's a labor of love, a warm and entertaining movie that has something to say about the way we live now. I think a lot of us live next door to people like the characters in this movie. From Criterion.com, when her best friend and roommate abruptly moves out to get married, Susan, trying to be an artist while making ends meet as a bar mitzvah photographer, on Manhattan's Upper West Side, finds herself adrift in both life and love. A wonder of American independent cinema by Claudia Weil, Girlfriends is a remarkably authentic vision of female relationships that has become a touchstone for makers of an entire subgenre of film and television shows about young women trying to make it in the big city. This 1970s New York time capsule captures the complexities and contradictions of women's lives and relationships with wry humor and refreshing frankness. Yeah, yeah heads man. up about that would be great for future movies. Um, I, I, <laughs> I swear when I put this together, I swear. I no, you know what it was? Letterboxd lied to me. Because Letterboxd showed me the Amazon, like, it was on Amazon. And so, okay, it's on Amazon. Rent it from Amazon. And you can't rent it on Amazon. No, you cannot. Yeah, so Letterbox fucked me. Man, if I had a nickel for every time that happened. I know, I know. But speaking for the time that it happened, 1978's Girlfriends. And I will insert the synopsis of the movie here so we can talk about it very freely. Um, so this movie is actually, you can watch Girlfriends. Well, it was on HBO Max. It was on Max for a little bit. But I think you have to pay to stream it from like Vudu or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's $2.89 and it's the worst standard definition copy of anything I've ever seen. Oh, shit. Uh, but uh, I, I did kind of get, get a grasp of what was happening. Oh, shit. All right. All right. Uh, it just so had, a, it had really bad like film, I call it film flair. I'm sure there's an official word for what it's called, but where it has all those sparkles all over it. Like dirt? Yeah. Well, speaking of dirt, this was a movie that was did not have a very high budget. It was shot starting in 75, and it ended in 70... I think they shot up until 78 because they kept running out of money to make the movie. Warner Brothers eventually picked it up for distribution, and... I thought it was a really good movie, a really solid movie. But what you think of what you think of Girlfriends? I uh, I liked it a lot. 
I like that it examines like a very different type of grief. Yeah. Um, I think it, it really solidly encapsulates like this kind of space that exists for women who are single or even partnered, but not seriously partnered enough to be thinking about marriage when your friends are starting to get married. Mm, and yeah. that's like a very odd spot to be in. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's a lot of, well, what about me? But also you're happy for that person. But also, you know, that means that person isn't going to be available anymore. And, and you know, you're losing a lot of you, your support systems bandwidth. Yeah. Is, yeah. is now going other places. And it's also hard because it like you might have have different opinions about that person than your person, but you can never <laughs> say that. Say and that person that you used to share everything with is now not that person. Yeah. I'm really glad and, you used that language. Yeah. Keep going. Though. Yeah. And I, I just think it's really interesting, like seeing that ripple out into this woman's whole sphere. Right. Or she's like, okay, I guess I'm like just into my rabbi now. Cause he's like nice to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then she's like, no, I'm not actually like, and this is weird and I shouldn't be doing that. So then she calls like, he looks like fucking Chris France from the talking heads or Jim Morrison light. <laughs> not Jim Morrison light. Uh. She, calls, she calls uh diet Jim Morrison and uh, you know, like whatever they figure it out and it's, it's good. And, and she gets her goals, but she realizes that they're not exactly you know, what she wanted, and it's a lot about growing up as well, which I think is so important. Yeah. Because I feel like there's a point in everyone's, like, first, like, job or break where they're like, I don't actually know how seriously this is meant to be taken. Where you're like, okay, so, like, everyone says this is an entry-level job and I can phone it in, but, like, can I? Like, (laughs) this is my first art show and they say they're going to handle all of it, but are they? You know, and it, it creates these weird moments where you have to you have to grow. Yeah. I was saying that I like the language that you use when you talked about support systems and friendships. And I do think that I, I know for America, like we really take the idea of like romantic partnerships and we really blow it out in a lot of unhealthy ways. But our platonic relationships are just as vital in a lot of cases. And so I think this is a movie that acknowledges that and understands it. And then our lead character, Susan, she does go through a bit of a heartbreak. And that's actually pretty sad to witness because there's like moments where she's with her friend in the beginning and it's like lovely. And then she's like in her apartment alone crying, just like randomly. Yeah. I would not be like half the woman I am today without like my friendship with Matthew, for example. Oh yeah. For sure. And like if Matthew someday was just like, Hey, I appreciate you, but I just can't with you. Uh, yeah. Like I, I just, you know, cause that's kind of, especially after the fight, right. Or Anne's yeah. like, can't you just give me the good parts of you is basically what that sums up to, because that's all I have bandwidth for with you right now. Yeah. That's not a friendship. You know, the funny thing is, I think a lot of men really don't take that very seriously. And I think that for me watching this and kind of thinking about my friendships and thinking about 
I do have people that I can truly lean on. And like you said, like if those people are just gone, how do you then kind of recuperate? How do you bounce back from that? And I think this movie is about her figuring out how to actually do that. But, and it's funny, you said this movie, well, the movies have kind of like quasi sad endings. And I think for this movie and girlfriends, the final shot is when they are in the cabin and they're talking and then Anne leaves and we see just the final shot of Susan just on the couch and she's like watching her friend walk away. And it's like, she's going to have to do that for the rest of her life. Basically. Like she's going to have to watch her friend walk away. That is pretty tragic. I mean, yeah, but also like that's friendship. Yeah. Friendship has at, at a certain point it might change, but it's the idea of, knowing that your friend will run and you will chase them or they you will fall and they will catch you, whatever it is, right? That is an acknowledgement of friendship. Yeah, and it absolutely. sucks when it changes and it sucks when it's sudden and it sucks when it's like hard, right? And it sucks when you don't know the guy and you don't like the guy or, or, or whatever. <laughs> but like all of that is is part of like friendship trademark. Yeah. And it is, it is tragic, but also like, at least for me, I would rather have those friendships and have them end. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But also the scene where, where they're in the cabin was giving me such like dirty dancing energy. (laughs) Like remember, remember where baby meets like. I can't remember the woman's name and I feel bad, but the, the woman who's in a, in a family way yeah, for the first time. And you can tell that they're kind of going to be friends, but they're both very like tentative and defensive at the same time. But also like, you just know that they're like meant to, to be together in some way. It's really giving that. And I really liked using that as an end point for a relationship and not, the beginning point. Yeah. I love Susan in this movie. I think her journey is really reflective of kind of the age that sort of you're in now where it's like you're kind of on the cusp of these sort of different realms of where you're truly letting go of one thing and you're trying to grasp onto something else and you're fully unsure where you're going to land and you don't even know if you even grab the next point in your life but it's still coming anyway so you have to reach out for it her talking about having to shut off the electricity because she's broke broke i was like that is a reason i have chosen to live alone like (laughs) yeah yeah i i truly cannot overstress how being that dependent on someone like that would worry me oh yeah for sure so i uh (laughs) So uh, less than independence for sure. I'm watching the scene where she's about to, but she's about to kiss the uh, the rabbi, and whew, we make some tough choices in our life, boy. We make some tough choices. I mean, but also he's like the only person who's actively investing in her at this point, and like yeah. I do get why that is like attractive to people. Yeah, like when you are so used to oh you're so talented but oh you're so smart but and your your support network is gone right an unmarried woman is a very different movie if she doesn't have those four friends oh for certain 
for certain. Uh, yes. This movie is about someone who has one friend who leaves. She's kind of hitting it off with Seal at one point, but then Seal kind of makes a pass at her, and she's like, eh, yeah, go. it's kind of hard to pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. And then there's that other artist who she's friends with, and that's a good friendship, but it's also a little bit competitive. She is no one who's just firmly in her corner. Yeah. And the first person that's in her corner that only wants her for like her as a woman succeeding i see it i get it i don't agree with it <laughs> yeah but especially when you're in a position that vulnerable i see how that happens yeah for certain i mean she picked up the drifter because she was so lonely basically yeah <sighs> damn she made the pass that's kind of wild but life happens man life happens i mean yeah but also like again it's just one person believing in one person who's lost the only other person that believed in them. Yeah. It would be a very possible move and a move I wouldn't even necessarily hate this movie for taking if it was something that they showed someone like trying to take advantage of. Yeah. This is what I mean, right? Whenever I see a woman in like even a little bit of distress, I'm like, all right, when is the man going to take advantage of this for shitty bad reasons? Um, yeah. Yeah. But, like, they could have taken it in that direction with either of the men, and they didn't do that. Yeah, which is a good thing. Which is a good thing. I know your favorite director, uh, Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick. <laughs> he, he actually gave pretty good praise to this film in 1980, where he called it one of the most interesting films in Hollywood that he's seen around that time. He basically described it as serious intelligent sensitive and kind of on par with some of the best directors in europe at that time i think for criterion and i think the biggest reason i want to pair these movies because they did come out the same year and criterion does a pretty great job of curating you know a lot of what their their collection actually is and i think the pair of these movies can really be a good end of Girlfriends is kind of what happens in your mid and early 20s. And then what Unnumbered Woman can be is something that's like happening in your late 30s, early 40s. And I think that kind of spectrum of life between friendships, love, romance, heartbreak, depression, loneliness, and kind of everything in between. I think humans feel the full spectrum of that. And I think these movies do a pretty good job of showing that through these two women. Not only these two women, actually, but the other women in the universes for both of these movies also. Also, whenever that Criterion 50% off sale hits, go buy these bad boys. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got. If you've enjoyed the episode, please subscribe, rate us five stars, leave a review, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Follow Kat at Ketchinetti on X, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Show and Mad Love, S-H-O-W-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V on X and Letterboxd. Follow the show at Cat and Mark on X. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenlee. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This, this is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?